Hello! I just realised I had my uh, microphone muted and I, did, and I realised before I spoke this time, so that's an improvement over last time's show. <laughs> well done, me. Uh, well, depending on, depending on, on how, you, how the listeners feel about your voice. <laughs> it is currently 5am <laughs> for me, and it's currently very close to midnight for Jan. <laughs> so it's, yes, it's a very, very late one. Uh, the, we are going to be talking about AEW Fight for the Fallen, because welcome, this is Laws of Pain Radio Aftershock for Fight for the Fallen. We're going to go through the show. Uh, as the show went on longer, we're not going to do what we did last time, which was the mental... Uh, for like two and a half, maybe to three hour show. <laughs> like, we're not doing that. <laughs> no. This is going to be kind of a lot closer to like an hour. We'll try and keep it to that. Last week of the show, talk about opinions. Probably not going to go into every single match in detail because that's, that's that was a falling last time. <laughs> maybe just go with quick opinions, blast through them kind of thing. Uh, the main talking points rather than you know, going absolutely crazy. Uh, but yes, if you are listening to this, please uh, rate this like five stars, whatever, on iTunes. I'm trying to remember to plug that, because <laughs> I never do. It does help us out if you do just a little thing like that. It sounds minor, but it isn't. It's great. Anyway, fight for the Fallen Jan. I'm joined by Jan Man, by the way. I've not introduced him. <laughs> <laughs> Kingdom of Honor here to talk about AEW. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, quick opinion, Jan, for, with the show just ended. What is your current mood uh, coming on here? Honestly, quick opinion is that it was a long show that felt like a long show, which isn't good. Um, I, I, I came out of this feeling like I watched uh, Slammiversary on Tuesday night um, from this from from Impact this week, and and that show I felt like the last four matches blew me away. On this show, I felt like the last. Um, the, the, I was I was more impressed by the stuff I saw earlier in the card than I was by the main event stuff, and and that kind of bums me out a little bit. So I, I think that kind of dragged it down a bit for me. How about you? Um, yeah, so being English and being that it is very late, I did start to lag at uh, Kenny Omega Chima, which okay. I saw was a very good match, and I it got my attention back into it in the second half. But the first half, I was doing like the I guess New Japan esque slow build kind of that kind mm-hmm. of rhythm that we used to. Uh, that I was having none of it. <laughs> Normally, I'm perfectly fine with it, but because it was like 4 a.m., no, I wasn't having any of it. I was completely out of it. Which, yeah, again, bit of a shame. But it's one of those. I think if I go back and watch it, it'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, it's because the pace of the show as well. For me, it was one match in particular kind of screwed up the momentum of the rest of it, and that was the uh, triple threat tag team match. Because it was really? so white hot, and <laughs> it was so full of spots, and the crowd loved it so much, the matches yeah. afterwards kind of suffered. So it probably would have been wiser to have that one on later, but then I understand it wasn't actually one of the main hype-promoted matches or anything. It was just a really fun spot-fest match, but having that in the middle of the card rather than the start or near the end, it did hinder like what came after it. Like Hangman. Poor Hangman. <laughs> He's had the short end of the stick, really. With the booking ever since Pac walked out, he's kind of, yeah, it's not gone to plan in terms of building his momentum, and it kind of happened again. Uh, his his match had a similar pattern to Kenny Omega's, where it had the kind of slow build, and it did suffer from the awesome fast-paced match beforehand, but then it did get into a rhythm, and by the end of it, I was properly into it. But that seemed to be a pattern with this card, especially the second half. First half of me flew by. I was enjoying it <laughs> so much. But the second half... 
it was just it, it felt I felt like I was struggling to get into matches, but the wrestlers were good enough where by the end of it I was. It was just yeah, in terms of tired imp it didn't help. <laughs> That's my issue with WWE is the peaks and flows. Whilst they were the the New Japan tactic of peaks and flows, where it's kind of all in the same match. Right. And and you know, you mentioned Hangman and I and I think the other thing that hurt the match hurt the card is that I think when when you're building up a guy for a world title match, he probably should be higher on the card than he ended up being. I mean, I think I think if you switch around the, the Chima match with Kenny Omega and the Hangman um Kip Sabian match, I realize Sabian, you know, is it doesn't have that kind of name name value and stuff, but I think if you switch those matches around and the hangman thing is the semi-main because it's building up for the world title match. Then you've got Jericho's interference, and then right away after that, you can do his interview, and and you know then then hangman is still red hot right then, rather than having to do it twice. So I think I think that also really hurt it is that you know you had the Jericho thing, and then and then Jericho came back out again, and then you had hangman coming out rather than him being red hot after being attacked right away. Um, to to me, that would have worked better structurally. Yeah, and I, and I and I and I think what, and I think the only reason they didn't do that is because they're trying to get Kenny higher on the card, which I which I think ended up hurting what they were trying to do, and hurt and hurt Hangman hurt Hangman too in that spot. Yeah, because uh, like the tactic they use in New Japan is they'll start the match off really slow because of the mentalness that happened at the end of the one previously. So you need time to recover as a fan. Hence, mm-hmm. they start, and then by the end of the match, that's when they start getting into gear and things. Hangman and Kip Saban wasn't quite doing that, but it, it did have it, the match had that effect in terms of watching it. Whilst Chimo Omega, they did go for the slow start and build. So yeah, even just the minor thing of switching that one <laughs> to being the match afterwards, then you have the tag, then you have uh, Adam Page, Kip Saban, that might have worked pretty well. But yeah, I do understand that dude. the semi-main event and the main event were the elite guys, <laughs> like the top. Uh, yeah, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So I understand the order they did it in. It was just, in terms of card momentum, I'm 100% with you. <laughs> it would have... Stuff needed to be moved about. There's nothing really wrong with each individual piece. It was just the order it was in didn't like 100% flow as perfectly as like the past two shows have. Because uh, the past, past no. two shows were like the same length, weren't they? As if this one had actually been that much longer. Well, this one actually... Well, the the... Double or Nothing, I think, was like four and a half hours, and then this was just over four hours, like four hours and twelve minutes or something. And then the, but then last, the last one, the first one that we covered, you know, Fighter Fest was only ended up being like three hours and thirty-five minutes or something altogether. So that's a point, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, we went live at like half past four last time, and <laughs> yeah, now it's yeah. five a.m. The difference yeah. half an hour makes. Yeah. Yeah, and and actually, it's and actually that. Yes, and they started at the same time, I believe. Um, and and the other, you know, the other thing with doing it that way is, for, for well, the other two things. Number one is, if you have Page at a higher spot, it makes more sense because it gives him the it gives him kind of the profile going into his championship match. But also, like you said, Chima and Omega are used to that kind of that that slow build pace to to kind of work the crowd up, which is what you really needed after that uh, that six that. Uh, you know, th- triple threat tag match, um, and and I don't think that they were able to, and I don't think you really needed that right after the the Lucha Brothers versus uh, SCU match because that match really wasn't that exciting in the first place. 
Uh, yeah, really, the triple threat tag match just stole the show, and uh, the boy and his dinosaur were just like immediate crowd favourites. <laughs> like the match hadn't even finished, and the crowd was like, "These are our heroes. <laughs> we are picking these guys." Uh, they got amazing behind, amazingly behind them. For me, it's I'll say eighties movies cheesiness done perfectly. It's that thing where. Like, all of these pieces <laughs> shouldn't work, <laughs> but they do. <laughs> and even adding Marco Stun also worked, <laughs> when really, like, it really shouldn't. <laughs> but it just, it's a boy, a smaller boy, and their dinosaur. <laughs> it's just, why does this work? <laughs> it just does. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the, other, the other thing with this card is that there was so much referee lenience going on in it. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that... that that match to me, what really stood out was, like you said, the you know the boy and his dinosaur, but also that spot with the power bomb, oh, you know where yes. where Lucha's got where, where it's basically like a DVD into a power bomb, and you know to me that's where the match should have ended right there. That should have been the finish of the match. Um, the crowd would have been the crowd would have popped huge. It's the first time we're, first time we're seeing that move. It gets the big victory. You you move um, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy into a high high profile match at all out and then the dark order can still play a prominent prominent role you know again against um best friends because they could easily cost best friends that spot in the in the tournament and set up a feud with them going forward i I don't think you needed to make it so predictable that the dark order was going to win because they were the ones that were harassing best friends you know um on the perfect Ten wrestling the show where i'm live every single thursday uh on laws of pain radio uh, I was talking about how I found it really interesting looking at the libra- librarians thing, which is an easy word to say at ten past five in the morning. <laughs> okay. Just try spelling Luchasaurus with that many A's and U's in such a close proximity <laughs> when your eyes are blurry. <laughs> it's a pain. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I found it interesting with the librarians where I was looking at it going, well, this is the first time we really get to see AEW in the moment changing something because it's not working. And I was really interested to see how they went into it this match. And it seemed like they simplified it a lot. Like, none of the bollocks. <laughs> Just do the gimmick in the ring kind of thing. Which helped it a ton. And really, that helped for, helped you focus on Sonny Kiss when she when he came out. Uh, I got confused because he came out with all of the cheerleaders. <laughs> the Jaguar cheerleaders. All pomp from circumstances. <laughs> kind of cool. But, um, yeah, so that, I found that really interesting. Whilst this now with the boy and his dinosaur... This is another thing where they may have had original plans for Best Friends versus uh, the Dark Order. However, the crowd have not chosen Best Friends. I don't really feel like they're anywhere near behind them as they are other teams. And obviously, you got Young Bucks and Lucha Bros, which are miles above. But Boy and His mm-hmm. Dinosaur are way more popular at this moment in time, and I can't see Best Friends getting in there in terms of popularity. So, personally, I would do exactly what you said, where you have best friends go far in the tournament, but have the Dark Order screw them out or have them meet in the semi-finals compared to Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, have them actually win the tournament or, at minimum, make the final. Because the crowd have chosen. Yeah. And we really yeah, yeah. interested to see how AEW switch things up now that that has happened. I kind of feel like best friends is probably fifth in order, actually. You know, and and maybe even sixth. I mean, if because oh, it's keep forgetting about that. Yeah, well, well, not SU. I was thinking actually, private party. So I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, it's probably something like Young Bucks, then Lucha Bros, 
then Buenos Dinosaur, then Private Party, and then either Best Friends or SCU. In that order, as far as you know, the over with the crowd. Hmm. That's the one thing that somebody pointed out on Twitter. I'm so sorry, I can't remember who it was. Uh, it's just the thing of watching this show. You really got the impression of how much young talent, which has so much promise to slowly build, that AW has, and they've all gotten over in like two shows. Which <laughs> is, yep. in terms of longevity of the product, that immediately that is awesome. Like, if you ignore the elite guys, you've still got MJF, who's like long term. My God, what a prospect! <laughs> you've got all the teams we're talking about, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, where people are talking about man if. Luchasaurus could be a legit top guy for them. <laughs> like no one would have, no one saw that coming <laughs> before AEW launched. Even a few people scoffed at the sight of Luchasaurus, and everyone going, "No, wait till people watch him on the Indies." It's like, no, wait until you see him wrestle. Trust us, <laughs> he's good. But but yeah, there's like so much young talent which is really rising to the occasion. It's yeah, it gives a lot yeah, of hope I mean, for the promotion. Yeah, Jungle Boy's twenty one. Um, MGF is twenty three. Riho's twenty, what twenty one or twenty two, right? Uh, yeah, she's out there as well. Yeah. Um, Hangman, Hangman's twenty seven. Luchasaurus is isn't is like right in that range too. You know, twenty somewhere between twenty two and twenty seven, I think. Hmm. Um, and then you've got Angelico, um, who I, I'm not sure I'm not sure what his actual age is, but in terms of like you know awareness and um. And and you know ring work, he's he's really young too. So I mean, there's at least you know those got those people. You know, B Priestley's fairly young, um, and she impressed the hell out of me to, in this in this show too. You know, um, yeah. a hell of a week for the uh, Priestley Osprey <laughs> a, a double team. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> Couple. <laughs> one kicking ass in Japan, and one who's normally been kicking ass in Japan now kicking ass in America. <laughs> they traded round actually. Of course, Osprey was kicking ass in America last week. <laughs> but, yeah, this um, BPC really impressed. Uh, it was on the pre-show, that uh, multi-woman match. It was a, it's one of those where you could sense a bit of miscommunication, but then you could also sense that there are is real talent in that ring, and BPC looked awesome in there, and they set up her and Britt Baker really well in that match, which, is, again, well done, AEW. And the person who probably got the least kind of momentum within the match itself ended up getting the win, which then gave her more momentum. <laughs> like, oh, that's very good booking <laughs> from AEW. Yeah, you know, you know the and and the miscommunication. I'm I'm going to put squarely on the shoulders of Britt Baker because she's absolutely awful. I, I have no idea why she gets the whole high profile match stuff that she gets. Why she keeps getting booked on these big promotions because she's just terrible. Um, I'm I'm very happy for her that she's both a wrestler and a dentist, and she was able to do both at the same time. But I really hope for her patient's sake that she's a much better dentist than she is a pro wrestler. Oh, uh, Nyla Rose did a hilarious tweet during the show. <laughs> See if I can find it because at one point Britt Baker went to tag in the wrong Japanese person. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. absolutely hilarious. She went to the uh, wrong corner. It's off the cuff. Can I find Nyla Rose's? What's your pick? Nyla? What's your pick? There we go. Right. Was it? I thought it was B that did. The, I thought it was B that went to the wrong corner. Uh, Rick Baker did a hot tag for the wrong partner, uh, and okay. then Nyla Rose tweeted, "Maybe you should have studied optometry instead, you dumbass." <laughs> 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 that was great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I thought she was the worst part of all in. I thought she was the worst part um, at 
double or nothing. I thought she was the worst in pretty much any match I've ever seen her in. So I, I really, you know, I, I, I think it's been, I honestly think there's been a bit of nepotism going on where if she wasn't the girlfriend of Adam Cole, she probably wouldn't be getting these, you know, this uh, love from the, from the Bucks and Cody. She's the only one from that Fatal 4-Way that's actually joined AEW. I wonder if it would have yep. been different if they'd managed to get Tessa Blanchard or uh, Chelsea Green had they not gone to other two different promotions. Uh, obviously, you've seen how amazing Tessa Blanchard has evolved. But really, um, Britt Baker, she kind of reminds me of what Doc was talking about when he talked about seeing Tessa Blanchard back in oh, Global Force Wrestling. <laughs> Let's take it back. Uh, when, when Chad got the opportunity to go to a show and interview Tessa, uh, the phrases he used to describe her, in that he could see the promise, but there was also a bit of greenness and could see little errors happening and but you could still you could see that with time and kind of getting you more more time doing it she could get really really good obviously from then to what Tessa Blanchard is now <laughs> it's night and day and it's, she's improved so quickly it's absolutely insane to the point where she is being regarded as one of the best American wrestlers going end of <laughs> rather than just like a, of, of just women as in she's putting in an incredible shift Mm-hmm. But with uh, Britt Baker, uh, from what I see of Britt Baker, she's reminded me a lot of Tessa Blanchard back in those days where she'd been wrestling for like two or three years or so and was not quite hitting her groove yet. And it was, it was like a year or so before. Like when she was in the Mayon Classic, Tessa Blanchard had got eliminated in the first round. She was like on the verge. With It's that following year where Tessa Blanchard figured it out, essentially. And I kind of see that in Britt Baker, that she's maybe one or two two years and away from figuring it out and I'm perfectly fine with her that AEW kind of pushing her like this as long as it eventually leads to a heel turn because <laughs> it feels like she is that kind of character where you don't automatically gravitate to cheering to her she's not a natural baby face but that could be down to like it's very clear that just a few more years experience is kind of needed before she becomes the face so that can that normally adds to a natural heel turn when that happens it happens in multiple promotions but I kind of get in that feeling <laughs> that she's probably going to end up being a heel just because you're not like naturally gravitating to her oh no I definitely I definitely think she deserves she should be a heel um but I just don't know that she deserves kind of high profile spot right now I mean, if she if she's a year or two away, then let her wrestle on the indies and then, you know keep her in backup. But you know she and, and you know she doesn't need to be on on these cards if she's not ready for it. Um, that that's just my take on it. Um, and let's see, we're, we're kind of jumping around here, aren't we? Yeah, just random topics. Just <laughs> like, a bit of order to proceedings. <laughs> we do have to keep things uh, kind of nice and within the. One hour bubble we've got. Right, so there's only one right. hour. Let's actually talk about the main stuff. So we've 100% talked about it. <laughs> right, so okay. the main event, Cody Rhodes and his brother, Dustin Rhodes, so weirdly, versus the Young Bucks in a main event you probably never thought would happen, especially us from five years ago. This is, yeah, it's an awesome match to see. And you could see it in Dustin Rhodes' eyes as he was walking out like, for him to be in such a big match at that stage of his career, you could see how much it meant to him, which was awesome. Uh, and obviously for the Young Bucks, they are kind of getting their dues after being so, so popular. They're now able to perform in front of those people, which they kind of their popularity was kind of there a few years ago. 
but now they're properly like so so incredibly popular, and this is setting them up for television. Um, like it's quite interesting. I don't know if they're going to be in the tag team tournament because you would assume they would be. But then I'm also assuming they're going to push the Dark Order to the finals and it's going to be about promoting the other teams. But Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks, surely they'll be <laughs> in it. Oh, I'm I'm drifting away from topic. So the main event, Jan, well, what did you well, make I of- think I think it's going to be a huge... I mean, Tony Khan has said it's going to be a huge tag team tournament, so I don't, I don't think there's any question that the, that the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks won't be in it. But yeah, I mean, I, I would be surprised if they... Um, you know, it might even end up, even end up being the Dark Order against the Young Bucks in the finals or something. You know, mm, um, but uh, but yeah, I thought I thought I, I felt like I felt about the about the the show basically is that it was good, but it was too long. Um, I felt like they could have done it, it got overindulgent at times. I felt like, and I felt like. Um, you know, I think this match ended up going about thirty minutes, and it probably could have been if they, if they had shaved like eight minutes off of it, it probably would have been a better match and a tighter match and, and more enjoyable for my style. I kind of sat there going, "Is this ever going to end?" And I really hate feeling that way about it about a match. That you know, that also I came. In, I, I also have to say I came into this match with with high, really high expectations too. You know, I came into it thinking that this that this has the chance. You know, and and. Can you blame me when it's the Young Bucks against Cody and, and Dustin? You know what they what those guys have done this year. Um, but I came into it thinking, um, and you know Jeff and I both said the same thing that this is going to be one of the best tag team matches of the year. And I'm not sure that it hit that level. I'm not even sure it was the best tag team match on the card, to be honest with you. Um, I thought that the that the um, triple threat tag match was better than this one. So um, so good match, but to me it was disappointing. Yeah, someone um, on Twitter, again, I can't, I'm not remembering any names tonight, but somebody uh, made a point of, to them, it kind of reminded them a lot of like an old school, kind of uh, bigger territory uh, main, uh, tag team main event, or especially like a WCW 80s tag team main event where they'd go the hall and it was very character driven, and he kind of got the, a pace a lot like that, and eventually they'll elevate it to their more signature moves at the end, but they were saying that, yeah, it really reminded them of an old school tag team main event, which is something probably wouldn't have been expecting. Feels a little bit weird because it's obviously that's not at all how the rest of the card was. <laughs> this 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 uh, match was very very different from the rest of the card. Was... Well, actually, actually, another, another thing that I thought about was I, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said this week that I that I heard it. I disagree, and, and I disagree with it for what largely for what for what I said on the last time we did a show together which which is that basically they they need to put their best foot forward in these shows because this is their opportunity to get people on board before they have their tv start um and that is that this was a glorified house show and i felt that way not at all during the card until the main event you know when we we got to the main event then you know as the longer it went the more i felt like okay so this is like a house show main event um Whereas the rest of the card, I felt like was pay per view quality. Other, other than you know, ironically enough, the other tag match between the Lucha Bros and and SCU. But I think a lot of that was simply that I think there was a lot of timing issues with it, and I and I just don't think those guys were were really on their game um, tonight. And you know, a lot of that is you know is probably due to the heat and probably due to the schedule the Lucha Bros have been keeping. I mean, those guys, I think I'm going to give a pass to just because I feel like it was it was a timing issue. Whereas with um, the Bucks and the Rhodes, I feel like it was 
it was all planned. It was just you know they were they just did too much. Uh, yeah, personally, I uh, I've I enjoyed it the longer it went on, but yeah, the only issue was it started about half past four. <laughs> so, oh, quarter it was it was late. So uh, it's yeah. one of those where if I maybe didn't stay up to watch this then to do this, I might have been able to take a break and then go into it. But in terms of like the main flow of the whole card, uh, yeah, as we talked about earlier, like the slower trans uh, starts to all of these matches eventually started to grain. And with this one where you've, I realise that halfway through is a lot more character-driven than any of the other matches. I mean, I, I applaud AEW for still keeping up with the variety. Like, with three shows in now, and I can easily say that not one of the matches felt the same. Even though, if you look at the face of it, it's like, oh, lots of tag matches. Well, that's because it's kind of a lesser show, it's a free show, it's a charity show. You want to get all your stars on there to get draw the house in. But... Yeah, but also all of the matches felt different, which is my like little gripe with WWE. Where yes, I love different performers, but it's very very similar production and feeling compared to AEW, where every single match felt different and distinct. Still, I'm on the third show now, <laughs> so the fact they're keeping that up that keep that's keeping me quite excited for when the television hits, as in like how yeah. easy that should be to watch. Like imagine this show, but only two hours, and like how quickly do those first two hours fly by? <laughs> like, yeah, and, I agree. Yeah, yeah, especially definitely. with the more sports directed uh, approach, where they could be like mini New Japan shows. I don't know whether to say that. Like, in my head, it's a mix between PWG and New Japan, so whatever that is. <laughs> so I don't really. Uh, yeah, so it could be just more match bang bang bang. But so that's the one point we've not talked about is the production. This one felt like lots of little improvements. If we ignore the buy-in, with the uh, subtitles coming up on the screen and the feed going down, <laughs> just... oh, that oh, good. That was. I was, just trying, I was trying to figure what the hell was going on with my Roku. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I have the subtitles off. I have the captions off. I have the volume thing off. Why is it doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody did that. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. So like, as that I, was weird. As that was really on, weird. On Twitter, like, I was just saying, it's like, oh yeah, the. Yeah, you may have noticed there are a few issues, unless you're a deaf robot. Or if you were blind, you wouldn't have noticed either. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, aside from that, like little things were kind of improved. Like The tiniest thing was there's now a logo on the top left of AEW. Just a little minor thing. Uh, also, the, the production, again, felt awesome. Uh, the fact that it was on such a different venue... I, th- I saw some people comparing it to like when WCW used to do those more, I would say, on location shoots. That's not quite what I mean. <laughs> As in, like, uh, ho- was it Hogs Hog Wild? Was that it? And the the yep. beach, yeah, the beach well, one. The, it was originally Hog Wild. They had to change it to Road Wild because Harley Davidson complained that they were too close to their trademark. Oh. So. <laughs> and the uh, one way it was like a pool party, whatever that was. Uh, that was Bash of the Beach. Oh, that's what it's, it's in the name. <laughs> Quite blatant, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it was kind of like some people saying that the show kind of reminded them of that. Of course, this was a bit more upmarket because it's an amphitheater <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. designed by a billionaire. So a tad different. But it, yeah, it gave um, the show a completely unique feel, which is, again, a little grain with WWE. Their shows, they make them all look identical. Whilst at AW so far, every show's looked different, like every venue. What I what I really noticed um, as far as production production stuff goes, and this is a really small thing, but I feel I felt like I feel like it's a, it's going to end up being a 
at least for me, a big thing is the color of the ropes. Um, they're gray, and that tends to make them blend in with the, you know, with like with a concrete floor or with like the sides of the uh, of the building, even inside. And so it's almost like those ropes become invisible um, because of the way that they're that is blending in with the, with its surroundings. So you you so. You don't you don't even notice the ropes really a lot of the times when you when you're doing it and and I and you know at first I was like where are the ropes and and I think that's when I that's why I noticed it but I think the more that I watched the, the more that it's it's just going to become it's just going to become invisible and the other thing is and Impact does this too and WCW used to is that raised ramp is so important um, WWE never never uses a raised ramp but when it's done when it's when it's um, when it's used, it provides a whole new. Um, it provides a whole another level of atmosphere. It provides another surface for them to use. Um, it provides a another medium, another um, you know, medium for the can another canvas for their medium. And so then you you get things like um, like Frankie Kazarian flying off the top of the rope onto. Um, the Lucha Bros on the ramp, or you get Cody Rhodes backdropped onto the ramp. Um, for, like on like on uh, Slammiversary, you you got um, one of the, I think it was Dez of the Rascals running down the ramp and flying in to break up a pin. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I mean, I mean that raised ramp, I think, is a great device. And I'm glad that AEW has adopted it because it's it really is, to me, um, a lot more enjoyable than watching a show where where you're just where there's just you know basically like the the concrete walk to the ring. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not I don't know if I'd like it 100 percent of the time. As in, if you use it for the odd show, yes, because then it can add a bit of variety to the feels of the show as well. Uh, it worked really well with this setup. I, can, I can't remember what it was. What the place, what the venue was called. I just called it the Khan Amphitheater in Jacksonville, <laughs> whatever it's actually called. Uh, but yeah, it, it really worked for the venue as well. Um, and you're talking about TNA, like Earth uh, Impact. Ray Phoenix is another one who can really utilize that. <laughs> like, yep, uh, he can run, sprint down it, and then jump in, jump over the top rope, hitting a like spinning cutter. As in, he is so awesome with a ramp. <laughs> As in, if you've got Ray Phoenix, build a ramp. <laughs> just, it'll be, just, it'll be worth it. <laughs> uh, well, back in yeah. the day, back in the day, it was Hernandez of LAX oh, yes. would, come, would would use that ramp to go flying over with his Superman dive. Yes, he would. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Naughty's TNA. It was actually good. I would say actually good. It's good again now. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a. This is what I call. The door to a imp and Jan tangent, <laughs> which we're not going to open. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, no, we were, we were talking about you know the mm. the production, and I think and oh, I think yeah. that that's part of the production is that is that giving their um, giving their talent another thing to use mm. that that isn't their what is it with other promotions? You know, Ring of Honor yeah. doesn't use that. Uh, New Japan doesn't use it. WWE doesn't use it. MLW doesn't use it, but you know the two organizations that do use it right now are AEW and Impact. Mm. And I'd be interested to see if they use it often, or if it's used to make a set feel unique. Because that's another thing I really applaud AEW for is their sets feeling unique. Uh, 
and again, not one of them's felt the same. They've all had the tunnel with the fancy light chandelier, <laughs> but aside from that, they've yeah, it, they feel different whilst you're there. Uh, uh, a little other thing was actually including video packages. Uh, more importantly, uh, the stuff from the Nightmare Family YouTube channel actually used on the main show right before a match to promote it. Because I think we're talking about how great those Nightmare Family videos are and how, like, the road twos and those... How they've taken inspiration from the NWA, how they've been building to their title matches. And it you could see the influence in the best way possible. And actually using those on the show... Because that's uh, one point that if you uh, if any of you read Tito's column after Fighter Fest, that was one of his nitpicks. Was he had no idea why to care about any of these people, and there is I'm not saying Tito is one of these people. There's a whole generation of people who kind of won't watch a thing on YouTube because it's on YouTube and they look down on it. So it doesn't matter how good you make it. There's a whole section of an audience who aren't going to see it. So yes, he can have it on YouTube, and he could still do a thing where if you the more you watch on YouTube, the more you get out of it. However, to put nothing on television, that might be a bit of a downfall. So the fact that they are actually putting things on the shows, for me, that feels like a step forward. Uh, especially if uh, like, you don't even have to be somebody actively not on YouTube. You just forget to watch. <laughs> it happens sometimes. <laughs> so I... Yeah, I really yeah, like them yeah, putting that on the right. show. They're, le- they're learning from their mistakes, which is, which is yeah. important also going forward. Hmm. I thought that was like um, that's my main point of making with the librarians as well was when Peter Avalon came out yes they did the shushing thing got the crowd to boo but there was like nothing else he was just coming out as the character like no <laughs> no fancy stuff aside from his robe no fancy stuff obviously Sonny Kiss got the fancy stuff <laughs> with the uh, Jacksonville cheerleaders <laughs> as well uh, but yeah I like that it was learning from mistakes kind of advancing how do you feel? How do you feel about the Sunny Kiss character so far? The little bit we've seen of him. So I, I've seen tidbits of uh, it, of his indie stuff. So I, w- I was a little bit more prepared to somebody going in blind. But I don't know that much. I, don't, I wouldn't say I've seen a full match. Uh, but like he impressed me quite a lot. Especially he's one of those um, he's one of those wrestlers who's really really good at getting a pop from a little thing. <laughs> and he's uh, he's got so much stuff that gets a great pop, and he's like a really enjoyable uh, wrestler to watch. So I don't know how far he can go because he's only been one match, which is showcasing like his basic moves and athleticism, which is what I'd call this one. Like a, this is really the perfect pre-show match, which they didn't have on the last show. As in nothing. Oh my god, this match is amazing, but it showcases a character. As like, yeah, why wasn't this on the last show? <laughs> this was a really it was a perfectly fine pre-show match. It did everything it kind of needed to. Uh, but yeah, I like Sonny Kiss. Uh, I, again, I don't. I, I need to see like a longer match to really know. But uh, I like kind of yeah. I like the idea of it, and I like the funness of the character because there, there are quite a few fun characters in AEW, so he'll kind of fit in really well there. Uh, again. Whether we could go past the mid card, I need to see a longer match. Yeah. See, I, I, and I feel about Sonny Kiss the way that you feel about um, Britt Baker. I, I think that he's just he just needs more time. Um, it, it felt like too much of his stuff was choreographed when he was doing it, and there was there was so little impact with what he was actually doing. It, it felt um, 
I don't know if you know this about you know what I about my fandom, but that's what I've said for years about Jeff Jarrett. Is I is I really couldn't enjoy Jeff Jarrett, especially in his latter career, because everything that he did looked so choreographed. And yes, I know wrestling is choreographed. That's not the point. The point is it's not supposed to look that way. Um, so, so I mean that to to me he just he just needs more time, and and I think he will be great. Um, but I I think that he and I think that because he needs more time, that that, that the pre show is actually the perfect place for him. Um, I, I think he's just not. He, he, no, he's not ready to be on the main card yet. But I think I think that you know as he as he gets more experience, especially against the guys like Peter Avalon, who are experienced and really good and and you know and really know their stuff. Um, I think that he's going to get better and better, and I think he will be a big star for them eventually. Actually, both he and Lever Bates could work really well as AEW's Norman Smileys, <laughs> as in like the. A veteran wrestler you've got there to kind of uh, help the new guys or kind of at minimum test them. They could be the really good, the, the really good gate. That's not a great sentence. <laughs> they could be the test when you come into AEW to kind of establish yourself or to help you. Like so you're saying you're saying that they're good that they're good hands. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're the they're the mum and dad. They're Hiroki Goto <laughs> in a way <laughs> of AEW. So. <laughs> I can make that reference. That's funny. Yeah. Wait, have you seen uh, the B block matches from earlier today? The only one I have not seen is the main event, so I've not seen Goto, Goto versus uh, Jay White yet. Right, then I shall end my sentence here. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, but anyway, yes, I feel like it's, uh, what we're talking about in terms of time and experience is a great tangent to Chima versus Omega, where basically you got to see what we were just talking about in action. Where mm-hmm. yes, that this match was extremely choreographed, but both of these guys are so experienced that they now are at a point where you wouldn't know it, and it all feels so real. And Omega's has got the timing of those V chickers down to a T. <laughs> like, um, like my my prime example is Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy's quite. I get a feeling he quite likes Kenny Omega. He hits quite a few V chickers. However, the main difference is Kenny Omega will get a reaction every single time he hits a V trigger. He will get that ooh from the crowd. Like no matter when he has, hits it, how he hits it, he knows how to get the prime reaction from the crowd. Which is, I guess, the when you watch wrestler, that's the difference between like the really experienced guys and maybe someone who's awesome but needs a bit more experience. Like Kenny Mega and Chima, they knew exactly what they were doing, move for move. No moment was wasted, <laughs> and that really it, it slowly built in the first half, but in the second half of the match, you really got to see it. It was just, just so smooth. <laughs> and uh, Chima as well brought the viciousness with those meteoras, which just upped it and upped it <laughs> every time Kenny Mega get k- kicking out. Yeah, yeah, first of all, I never would have known that Buddy, Buddy Murphy does V-triggers because I don't watch that product. But <laughs> that, that really surprised me when you said that. Um, secondly, um, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought that when... Um, he had that last meteora. I thought that, I thought for sure that Kenny was going to go over two, but I, I, but then I realized how close he was to the ropes, and and I you know I agree with I agree with what Jr. said, which which was that uh, he was already underneath the rope the entire time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, I mean I I, I really thought well, wow, he, he, this is like his six meteoris, and he's probably going to end up winning with this. And it's like oh, he's he's right underneath the rope. Never mind. But uh, but yeah, that that was really uh, you know in in an or in. Um, a lot of times, you know, because of 
how long I've been watching wrestling and, what, and everything that I've seen, it is really hard for a false finish to get me. And and that one got me. Hmm. So Again, that shows you how experienced those two guys are. They know how to get the reaction out of us. <laughs> it was exactly. Really yeah, like, I really enjoyed that match. Yeah, yeah. Especially if well if you're a Kenny Omega fan, yeah, this match was will be right up your alley. <laughs> no question. <laughs> like, it was a fantastic example of a great match with Kenny Omega. With, of course, another a, another Japanese opponent who really knows how to uh, play to that style uh, and bring the viciousness himself. Because that's one thing with Kenny Omega is his V-triggers are so vicious. If the other opponent doesn't also have something where he can bring that same viciousness, they sometimes feel like they haven't earned their comeback. No, nope, Chima earned his comebacks. <laughs> to that point where we generally thought he could win. Uh, yeah, highly, highly recommend that match. Yeah, yeah speaking yeah. of which, you know, you know the, you know his, you know Kenny's, um, you know basically arch rival in New J- in New Japan ended up being Kazushiko Okada, and Okada would would use his his, his drop kicks as as his vicious move, and there was a spot where Omega, you know, went hit the V hit the V trigger, and then he went for something else, and it was a drop kick from Chima, and it reminded me so much of an Okada match <laughs> against him. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I don't know uh, what uh, the plans for Kenny Omega will be after All Out. You'd assume maybe to the title scene, but that all depends on how right we, a lot of us are that they're going to crown Ke- Chris Jericho as the first champion. That's just my oh, assumption. He almost has to. He has to be, doesn't he? I mean, I mean, yeah. even with the crowd, ch- even with the crowd chanting for Paige in this one, Paige still has so little heat. I just can't see him winning that match. Hmm. Well, I can see him winning, but then you're in a uh, TJ Perkins is your cruiserweight champion kind of hole <laughs> where it's like uh, but he doesn't have the momentum when he won it really that others did so yeah for, for example if WWE had signed Kota Ibushi like he probably should have won <laughs> but they hadn't so he couldn't have won so it's that it's the person with the momentum really should be your winner and yeah Hangman may not be his fault especially with Pat going and all that but there is, yeah, and apparently there are the word coming out is Pack is going to be good for AEW come television. I don't know oh. if that's immediately. I don't know if that's months down the line or if it's just a rumor. But then immediately, Hammond Page can lose and he can set him up into a feud with Pack like straight away, <laughs> like without hesitation. There's something there immediately for him, and Chris Jericho's got Kenny Omega. Depending what happens with Moxley, of course. And Chris Joker could have Moxley, depending what happens with Omega. So they've got stuff set up. You know, uh, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, they do. That's, that's, that's certainly how it sounds. And, and speaking of TJP, um, you know, that's, that's the one mistake that, to me, that Impact's making right now is they signed that motherfucker. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the one thing I'll say about TJP is he fits into the X Division, like, really well. It's just that I don't know if he's got much more of a ceiling above that. <laughs> so I don't know if I'd call him the person who should carry the division, but yeah, he fits into the X division seamlessly. <laughs> like they 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 brought him in and immediately had him beat a guy that was undefeated in in the organization, which I, which was which was ridiculous. So yeah. Who was that? Anyway, uh, Ace Austin. Oh right, okay, yeah. Yes, I've seen him on on things. Yeah, he was, yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know he was undefeated when I watched that, so that's a little tidbit. Uh, yeah, with Impact, the only thing I've struggled with is their television. Like, their pay-per-views, like, 
don't sleep on their pay-per-views. That they're almost always must watch or worth the watch. Yeah, reminds me I need to watch MLW Tangent, Matt. <laughs> Tangent. <laughs> right, uh, the other match I wanted to definitely um, make. I, d- sure. I definitely, I, I was going to say, I definitely recommend the June twenty-first Impact. That one was pay-per-view quality. So. Ah. Okay. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the Global Revolution guys who will talk about this most weeks. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so the other match I wanted to make sure we 100% talked about. I know there's more, but the opening match of the main card, the six man tag between, let's see if I can get this right at almost 6am, Jimmy Havoc. Oh, the other two were. You're going to have to help me out here. <laughs> uh, Joey Janela and Darby uh, Allen. Thank you, yes. You know what? I am just going to go to Laws of Pain Post and read it out because I'm boring. Versus MJF, Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears. So this one, I thought, did really well at exemplifying the one thing where I've had an issue with WWE for a while and it's nice to see it back is what I call the shared universe. I say I call. Everybody calls it (laughs) the shared universe. But (laughs) where actions have effect on other people who are also there. It's incredible. Have you ever had that, Jan? <laughs> where some, where you were in the room where someone said something and it turns out you heard the thing. My God, <laughs> it's incredible how that happens. <laughs> like, no, I've, uh, I've never experienced that. Is that no. how life is supposed to work? <laughs> <laughs> no, if you're not in the storyline, no. <laughs> like, WWE sometimes reminds me of um, like a sitcom, but I mean the uh, stage sitcom, like Friends or... Why is Two and a Half Men the examples? <laughs> you know what I mean? Shows like that, where yeah. if they're not on camera, then they're not hearing anything. And sometimes they'll play off the joke where they're listening through a door and they just shout, I can hear you, you know? <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, that's what this. I'm not saying that was this, the match. <laughs> but the point being, this was the after aftershock. That actually works quite well for us. That was, It was the aftershock of the last pay-per-view with Sean Spears' actions has multiple effects on multiple people. Uh, like especially Darby Allin, especially MJF. Uh, Sammy Guevara's there because he's just a bit of a dick, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and uh, by proxy, Darby Allin having issues with Sean Spears then created issues on his own team a little bit with Joe Janela. It's like, oh, ripple effects. Oh, how nice is this? <laughs> just, oh my God. It's, it's like they heard the conversation that happened right next to them, Jan. <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah, you know... It- that that's very true, and and you know it, it carried over the, through the entire match where you know MJF was you know cheering every time that um, that uh, Spears got hit, and you know he even baited him in a couple of times to, to get hit, and then called him an idiot. Um, I, I thought you know first of all I, th- I thought your boy Jimmy Havoc was very good in this match. I I really enjoyed him for you know basically the first time ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, so that is actually, that, as a, if you ever listen to Kingdom of Honor, that is a massive statement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, so I just want to say that you know, if, if he if he keeps on doing what he did in this match, I'll, I'll he won't be he won't be one of my favorites still, but I will at least be able to be able to enjoy him and not you know groan when I hear sees that he's going to be on my screen. Um, but, um, but secondly, I thought that Darby Allen was. I thought they did a, a real disservice to him, to him in this particular match. I mean, we we saw him, um, we saw him against Cody, and, and what an, and how in, what an intelligent performance he had against Cody, 
at two weeks ago at at um, Fighter Fest, and now this week he loses his team ends up losing the match because he's a fucking idiot, and it's just like, you know, so so which is it? Is this guy a brilliant tactician who can you know be who can hold his own against one of the best wrestlers on the planet? Or is he an idiot who's too over, who's so over eager that he that he costs himself or his team matches, you know? Because it can't be both. And to and to me, what we saw from Allen in this match went completely against the character that we, that was built in the previous match. And and that really was kind of a deal breaker for me as far as this match went. Uh, for me, I saw it as like they really honed in on like the I guess the heart. Or the the emotion to never give up in, from the last match, uh, not the never give up part, but the heart and the emotion that he showed in the last one. In this one, when the, somebody normally if it's somebody in wrestling who's got lots of heart, it's nothing but a good thing. In this one, it was th- that same trait, but it ended up being a bad thing because he when he is like he's got oh, he's got the he's got a great heart. He never knows when to give up. As a, in this situation. He needed to stop <laughs> and actually give up. <laughs> As in, he's a detriment to his team. He's being an idiot and needs to actually stop and think. Uh, it's normally a trait you see with teenagers in shows, <laughs> which where their emotions kind of flip all over the place and go wild. Uh, but see that Darby Allen? It's yeah, it is a little. It did contradict with the I guess greater technical aspects of his match with Cody, where it wasn't just his heart and determination keeping him for keeping him going. In this match, they were telling the story of him obviously going a bit blind with his anger towards Sean Spears, and that cost him the entire match. Uh, I like that they stuck with that, and that Sean Spears was smart and was essentially playing the Randy Orton role of just being optimistic, hitting one move and pissing off again. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it, it contradicted with the kind of smartness of his character, uh, but it didn't contradict for me with like the as we're talking about with like the heart and his emotion to keep on going when he really shouldn't have <laughs> but to be fair that's, they did the same with uh, Sammy Guevara where he was jumping about all over the place to a much lesser degree where he was jumping about both sides of the ring <laughs> flipping all over the place obviously in the end that made him vulnerable and paid the price poor Sammy right oh. right Joey killed that kid <laughs> oh, with the well, ba- with the best two camera moment where he hit that Death Valley driver and then just looked at the camera whilst he's on the ringside, just shouted "fuck you, Jim Cornette." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, I also, I also, I, you know, I wanted to mention speaking of, of Joey Janela that you know, you know, it's 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 quite the funny coincidence that at and we have mentioned this on on our show that. Uh, at fight at Fighter Fest, there was the whole skit about how they didn't know how to pronounce Blink One Eighty Two, and now yeah. this week Janela gets into an altercation with Enzo oh, yeah. at uh, at a Blink One Eighty Two concert. So. Uh, I think I think was it, was Alex, I think it was Excalibur who said an absolutely hilarious line to do with that. I know oh, somebody was talking about in preparation for this match, where he knew he was going to be up against like real dickheads and so to prepare he had a scuffle with the absolute scum of the earth at a blink 182 concert <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was hilarious <laughs> oh I yeah think excalibur delivered that line so well <laughs> it was great uh yeah but i guess the last, the last important point from this match was the presentation of sean spears so ev- 
he got his full character presentation in this match, and that's kind of his role in this was just to flesh out his character and not really anything more than that. He didn't go into the ring and get and really show off his awesome wrestling or anything like that. Was Sammy Guevara as well? That was, I guess, Jimmy Havoc got to show his smartness as well. MJF got a bit more in there, but with Sean Spears, it was just character moments a hundred percent of the time. Uh, from his entrance as well, where he got his new music, which is a lot more of a serious presentation, obviously, than what we were used to in mm-hmm. across across at Stamford. But he, uh, with it, also with his play off of Cody Rhodes' shirt, where it was like the Nightmare Family kind of emblem, but with, as the uh, Canadian leaf. Is it, is it Maple Leaf, I want to say? Yeah. Yeah, it's Maple Leaf, yep. Yeah. But he called himself the chairman. It was like, ah. Oh. Uh, I mean, I'm British, so I like a play on words. <laughs> so I appreciate the pun. <laughs> but plus, that is guaranteed heat, obviously. Uh, Absolutely. I'm, I'm a bit surprised they've not taken this opportunity to like publicly enforce a rule or anything. Because I thought they might do that, and then they could still have Sean Spears be the chairman. But it's kind of got a... There's an authoritative stamp of, you're not allowed to do this, so it gives a bit more gravitas to him doing it. But I, I understand that would also get complaints if he's still keeps doing it really doing it has booked them into a hole <laughs> like what do you do and they kept, they've gone with gone in with it two feet so they're still doing the chess well maybe I, I don't know i mean the parker was the chairman in wcw for years and you oh. know there was never a rule against that so I, I i i don't know what kind of rule are you thinking of like like no chair no chair shots to the head or no chair oh, yeah, shots that, yeah, that, that's at all or because i'm just i'm just wondering because like i mean they have a ladder match coming up at <laughs> at uh, at all out, so are they going to make a rule? There's no ladders used either. I mean, yeah. So yeah, I meant specifically no chair shots to the head, and then Sean Spears comes out, and he specifically is the only one in the promotion to, to do it. But he does chair shots to the head, and that's kind of like his thing. He doesn't sure. have to do it every single time or every single match or even every single time he's got a chair. But the threat that he would be the one to do this, even though this rule exists, I kind of like the idea in the universe. Even though I I know one hundred percent it would get a lot of complaints from people, <laughs> but I, I I like the idea for the character because it creates a completely different threat that will not exist with anybody else. So yes, well, and and yeah, and the other thing is that it, the other reason that it works with him is because he was formerly in WWE, so he could play out the fact that he made enough money there that he can pay all these fines that maybe the other talent there wouldn't be able to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of great. And they played off his uh, rivalry with uh, MJF, which to the people who haven't watched Being the Elite, they found a bit confusing, because of course MJF is a massive dick, <laughs> and then he's suddenly coming to Cody Rhodes' aid. But of course, well first is Cody Rhodes 100% babyface. It changes from match to match. <laughs> but also, uh, there's the whole storyline on Being the Elite, on how MJF kind of got to know Cody as well, so it's like months of little bits on being the elite where it makes sense if you watched and paid attention. If you're jumping in now, it might seem a little bit confusing, but from what I'm seeing of AEW, they're more like New Japan in the sense of the more time you invest, the more you get out of it. Compared to WWE where you can get you can understand all of it like there and then in an instant, but long term it's like you're punished for watching it. <laughs> so uh, that's why I've, I, I stopped watching it. <laughs> I've, I've I've not done a Jan. I am at like one raw a month, if that <laughs> kind of it. And if I can't do that, I'll watch a Bray Wyatt skit or something. So that, that's where I'm at at the moment, <laughs> and the pay per views. Uh, 
But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you invest well, less I, time, I, I, really. I mean, I mean, I'm kind of at the point where even even if um, it improves drastically with the with the uh, you know with with Heyman and Bischoff now being part of the company, I just don't have time to watch it. I, I'm watching you know MLW, I'm watching AEW, I'm watching Impact, I'm watching New Japan, Ring of Honor. I don't have time to watch WWE anymore. Yeah, look, I'm they've let me to... they've let they've let me down too many times. <laughs> like currently, I'm covering the G1 Climax with Sir Sam. Last year, I'd done a complete pull-off of WWE up until SummerSlam. Like, I didn't watch it for, for like three, four months. A complete fall, uh, fall away. Uh, but the G1 Climax, like, it takes up so much time. That how, am I, how else am I going <laughs> to cover this G1 Climax? So I'm doing that with Sir Sam at the moment with our weekly kind of roundups of it. So you won't see a straight-up Imps and Bedger from me at the start of the week, but at the end of every week, I will be doing a column on that. Uh, yeah, I'm realizing I'm doing a tangent wait, again. <laughs> wait, last year, last year you did a didn't you do a, a results for every single show last year? I did. Oh my we god! <laughs> it was there were like minimum of two thousand word columns uh, in a way, but yeah. there were results for every single match in detail. And I posted them. I tried to get them done, hopefully within the hour, but if not within like two hours of the show ending as well. So it was like a huge task with many typos, <laughs> but. And I also did like an updated table at the end and everything. Uh, but uh, yeah, the guy who owns the site has brought somebody in to cover New Japan and posted results and things. Uh, so you won't be getting in detail results. It will just be a list of who won and there won't be a table either. So <laughs> you won't get anywhere near the amount of dedication I did. But I would need to be paid like it's a job <laughs> to be able to cover that. Because <laughs> it's like it is almost a full day's work to watch the show and write a 2000 word column for it as well so yeah that was just that was just insane that you did that last year yeah 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 life doesn't let you do that every single year <laughs> so no yeah <clears throat> suddenly if okay. the money was there for me to do a full-time job for a full month <laughs> then yes i would do it <laughs> but no not for free no I'm not you know guy. i think i think the only match that we have not touched on at all is brandy Rhodes versus Allie. so, so one... you know I was in. The, I was in between ending on that one because like, oh, that might be a bit of a downer. But I want to end positively because that's my kind of feel of the show is still positive and really hopeful going in. But yeah, we talk about this is the only match we've not really touched upon. To my right. opinion, uh, <clears throat> so if this it mm, for me the most confusing thing about this was Awesome Kong coming out after they played the video of Brandy. So I'd watched this on the Nightmare Family YouTube channel days before. So when they right. started playing Me it, too. I was like, oh, this is cool. I mean, I don't need to pay attention to it, so I can type out a tweet about how this is cool instead of actually watching it. <laughs> Which <laughs> are modern-day millennials. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that, I thought it was cool they were doing that. But then she brought out Awesome Kong, and then she healed it up. Where, for me, to make that work, it really only needed one sentence where... You got Brandy Rhodes talking about her past and everything and her failures and afraid of failing again. And maybe she could just look to camera or even just say one sentence of just never again or something like that. Like, I will not like let that happen again. And that that kind of might explain why she would resort to Awesome Kong being there. As in, she isn't going to... Even, like, she's not even going to think about the chance of it happening or even take any chance. She will make sure she wins. Which, But they didn't do that. They brought out Awesome Kong because they needed to set out the Kong Derby. 
<laughs> no, Kong Bowl. That's it. <laughs> they just set that up. So, uh, for me, that's it. it kind of ruined the point of even playing that video so they could set up Kong Bowl. So, yeah. That was I, my, I actually, that's my I actually, yeah, I actually, yeah, I see where you're coming from with that. You know, at the, on the other hand, you know, doing doing the video allowed her to kind of set up Owie for Owie to you know be supportive of her and say, hey, let's just let's just go there and do our best. And then Owie, and then you know, Kong comes out, and now and now Owie's completely dismayed and thrown off her game. You know. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I see. I guess I, I guess I see your point of her, of, of them not not showing it on the on. On the show, but I think doing it on, I think doing the video um, for those of us that do follow the Nightmare Family stuff worked really well. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so it's just it felt a little bit weird. The match itself was a, maybe a, when I say a bit too long. I'm not normally one of those people who criticizes it, criticizes the show like that because normally it's something else made it feel longer for me rather than. Like the time given was incorrect. Like they didn't use the time right. <laughs> uh, more often the case. But yeah, this match it felt like it was too long. To completely destroy that last sentence I was saying, like it it didn't feel like it needed as much time as it had to get across the point and story and character arcs that it was getting across. So like I was completely zoned out for the first half. Even though I never saw Kong coming, that was a because of the video, you just assume it's going to be let's put on our best match, friend. Like it's going to be that kind of match, I guess, closer right. to Omega Chima in that respect. Kind of let's put on a good match. But as soon as yeah, you don't see the reveal of Kong coming at all, so that was a nice swerve. But yeah, but on yeah. the other hand, you feel like you should have known because it was Brandy. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's uh, what is the kind of thing going forward? As in, what was that the plan when they did her video? Was that actually we're going to use this to set up the Kong Derby? And it's not really to do with Ali versus Brandy. Uh, it's it's a little bit different because it is on a lesser show. Again, it's a charity show. It's a free show. This isn't all out where these all of these matches need to be five stars or anything. This right. these shows they have used them to set up quite a lot, which yeah, hundred percent makes sense. And they're very smart to be going to smaller venues to kind of help portray the different feel for the shows as well, which has worked really, really well in my eyes. Uh, but yeah, I didn't think a lot of this match. Like, I still like, I still think Ali is really good and it's going to end up at the top end of the women's division. Uh, but I don't know if this, she, if the first, if her first two matches have really done her many favors. Like. She, even though she's won them, she doesn't. Well, she didn't win this one. Even, even though she's she's kind of felt good co- both coming in and out of the matches, I don't really feel like her momentum's gone anywhere that much because they've not really been great showcases for her. I think I'd say. No, I agree with that, and you know, it, it, but I think that the fact that she lost this match is just kind of building towards you know Brandy is going to be kind of controlling that division the way that. Um, say, you know, like an evil authority figure would, would control another division, like for the world title or something. So I think I think that's kind of what they're going for here is that is that Brandy is going to be kind of domineering that division, and only the people that she wants, or maybe even just herself, are you know until somebody's able to 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 take that from her, are are going to be dominating 
the women's division going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's how I that's kind of what the feeling I get I got from it, um, which is which you know is, is kind of a cool idea because we have, we really haven't seen that on the women's side before. Hmm. I felt like this show did add depth, like because beforehand it was like oh Britt Baker's easily going to be like top, but the fact she didn't win this match, it unless thank was, God. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, it adds to the fact of if she was thinking she was going to get be the face of this division easily, this match kind of sets up the fact of, no, if she wants to be the face, she's going to have to earn it. And I like adding those kind of layers to this kind of thing. Like, yep. it's, like uh, maybe they promised her uh, opportunities. It's like, yeah, but the opportunities, we're not going to crown you. <laughs> Anything like that. Uh, and this women's division is really shaping up. And there were talks as well of also doing a tournament for this one. Which I think might be in, in a bit of response to how the AEW championships kind of gone down and how they did that. Because that was something Chris Jericho brought up in his thing. Like the final thing we've not talked about and my way of figuring out how to end this show on a happy note. <laughs> so when uh, Chris Jericho came out after bloodying up uh, Adam Page, he uh, he came out and he, also, he kind of ripped into the fact that he had to earn his opportunity. Like I was always going to win, but I had to earn my opportunity whilst Hangman Page was in a jokey battle royal with not not real contenders, and he entered in last. I right. see Chris Jericho ripped into the fact that that's how he got his opponent. Where, yeah, it's one of those things where we're so... I feel like we're so used to WWE where if they make a mistake, they'll try and hide it under the rug and pretend it never happened. Compared to AEW, where they've seemingly openly talked about almost all of their mistakes or addressed them on the uh, subsequent shows, be it being the Elite or actually on this show. So the fact they're setting up tournaments for the other titles, so it feels like a proper contest for whoever wins it. And with this one where Chris Jericho's ripped into how stupid it was, so he's going to make Adam Page pay and make a statement. Because uh, it kind of fell on Chris Jericho to make this match feel important because it just didn't before this show. And they did a good job, I think, in at least adding some fire to this feud because there wasn't really any beforehand. <laughs> it still feels like Chris Jericho has to win. That feels like the, where the momentum should take it. But yes, that, that's pretty much yeah. That's pretty much my thought on the uh, Chris Jericho Hangman Page kind of thing and how they set up that up on this one. And I just like the idea. It feels very very different. The fact that they're actually addressing issues that happened rather than pretending they never happened because it. That's the New Japan thing as well. As that if it happened, it happened. You can't pretend it didn't because that's just stupid. <laughs> that's not how life works. So yeah, yeah, I like. I that agree. Of it. Yeah, I agree, and I, and I agree, and I agree that it's it's more high profile going in than it than it was um, coming in. I just I just still feel like um, it's almost a, it's almost a, a, a foregone conclusion who's going to win that match, and that's too bad. Hmm. But I but. <laughs> You know, we're at the we're at the hour mark. I'm getting I'm getting the uh, the uh, hook sign. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that is going to uh, do it for myself and Jan. It's gone six a.m. for me. Like New Japan starts in under an hour. <laughs> Who's with me? <laughs> no, I'm going to bed. Ah, oh. right. So uh, we wait. You're you're going to all out. Yes, I am going to all yes. out. Which, for you smart people, if you can figure something out, that means that Jan is not going to be with me live as soon as the show ends. He's going to be queuing for ages to get out. I don't know what City Center's like. <laughs> I've never been. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so Jan's going to be at All Out. So, yeah, 
look out for his show on Kingdom of Honor the following Monday where he's all excited and giddy. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Yeah, so check out that. So uh, when it comes to All Out at next time, I might try and get somebody because it's kind of useful because my brain starts to turn off. So I'll see who I can get. But yes, Jan, plug uh, Kingdom of Honor and all your stuff. Yeah, this coming Monday will be Kingdom of Honor. Uh, we'll be co- we'll be covering Slammiversary and the most recent Major League Wrestling. Where, um, well, well, in case Jeff hasn't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it. But we'll be covering those those two uh, shows and possibly you know some of tonight's show if he was able to watch it. And then um, we are planning on once All Elite is rolling out their TV show. We're planning on going live after every after every episode of that show to recap what happened. And um, yeah, so that's what's that's what's going on with Kingdom of Honor. And uh, you know, make sure you check out our, our YouTube channel, Kingdom of Honor, uh, YouTube.com slash Kingdom of Honor, and our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Kingdom of Honor. You can tweet me at ZanmanLOP. And you can tweet Jeff at Regi Co-op. Yeah, I never remember that. <laughs> R-E-E-J-E-C-O-A-P. Mm. Luckily for me, I already follow him, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's already on my feed. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Uh, yes, and uh, please do check out the other shows on LOP Radio. Uh, tomorrow we've got Mad Plan and Mazza with... No, we haven't. That's not right. It's a Saturday. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Sunday for me. Tomorrow we've got Kingdom of Honor with Jan Man, because it's Sunday... I'm doing it <laughs> with his friend uh, Jeff. He's already plugged it. Tuesdays it's Global Revolution, talking about the wider wrestling world. Wednesdays is Planned Sports Entertainment is Dead with a performance art review of Extreme Rules because that is tonight. God, the wrestling doesn't stop. And there's B Block in an hour. Uh, Thursday it's me, Imp, with Imp's LP Radio Adventure, as it's currently called. Uh, there's so much wrestling, I don't know which one I'm going to talk about. I'm at the moment it's G1 because that's what I'm, my, all my columns will be focused on so I'm assuming I'll talk about that but depends what happens elsewhere because there's so much wrestling happening uh, Friday is the right side of the pond with Math Plan and Mazza don't know what they'll be talking about and Saturday is all about All Elite with your mega review of this sh- uh, of fight, uh, Fighter f- I can't really say it <laughs> Fight for the Fallen uh, with Ms. Fan and Shane Mystic the guys who brought you the WCW Legacy Series so 100% check that out uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the TheDamnInfoCat. As already plugged, I'm currently covering the G1 Climax with Sir Sam, our resident Australian who can watch New Japan at a normal time. <laughs> like the jealousy. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing a co- weekly column with him covering the uh, competition. So far we've got our predictions and kind of previews for both A Block and B Block out. Uh, so B Block came out this Thursday, so if you want to read my latest column, that's where it is, on LordsOfPain.net. And that's that. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for making this part of your day. Hopefully you enjoyed Fight for the Fallen. Uh, hit either of us up on Twitter if you uh, want to get your opinions across. There was a chat thing on the player, which I forgot to plug, so end of the show is the perfect time to bring that up. <laughs> so, uh, with that, I bid with you, and show does Janman. Long days, pleasant nights. Adios. We've got no theme. <laughs> 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 After a shock. <laughs>